Hey, what's going on there, podcast community? Matthew Johnson back with another episode of Dementia in Black and White. I want to thank you for tuning in this week as this week we're going to get a little personal. We're going to have a conversation with my mother and just kind of play it here so that you can have a day in the life, if you will, of me caring for my mother who has dementia, but also having a conversation with my mother. Let's check it out in this week's episode of Dementia in Black and White. Alright, so in this week's episode, I am just going to provide for you what is essentially an average conversation that can happen any day of the week, five, ten times a day uh, with my mother, whose form of communication is best Described perhaps as sporadic. It's all over the place, as you will hear. The topics are bouncing around like a ping pong ball from one topic to another, not necessarily always making a lot of sense in terms of the transitions between subjects and topics and whatnot. But what's important here, and the reason I wanted to share this conversation is that perhaps it can provide some insight into those of you who might be caregivers, who might be new to it, who might get frustrated with some of the conversations, because if you are not ready for it, it can get frustrating. It can get to the point where you're feeling like either you've heard something before or you've already explained a particular thing before and, you know, going over things more than once can be frustrating. So I would say, I think I mentioned this in the prior podcast that conversations with someone who is dealing with dementia, and I would think this would go for many of the different types of dementia. It is really about being an improv actor or comedian, you have to take whatever you're getting from your loved one and just accept it and move on. So in this conversation, my mom will refer to people who have passed some 15, 20 years ago, uh, one aunt last year. And rather than you know, every time she makes a reference to someone who has passed, that's you know a loved one of hers, a sibling or a parent. Rather than remind her, yes, now, you know, Aunt Jordine died last year and have her, you know, have kind of a re-grieving of that. It's just OK to accept that. And move on to something else. Or even for me, let her continue on in the conversation. It is really so quick. She asked me if Uncle Nathan, my her older brother and my uncle, have I seen them today or was he downstairs? If I come from uh, downstairs, upstairs, she said, was Uncle Nathan down? Was your 
uncle down there, or you know, she'll just ask for him by name, and I say yes, he was, and just move on. No, it's not a you know. Let me make sure she has all the facts straight in this five second interval before she goes on to some other topic because it's not important. And so some people have some discomfort with that in terms of feeling like I can never lie to my mother. I wouldn't even consider it lying. It is having a conversation. And so I'm going to play this conversation and, you know, can't go through the whole thing. This is you know over an hour long, but just want to probably bounce around. But I open up just kind of asking her how she Slept the evening before. It's chilly, so you might hear her complaining about how cold it is. I've made her some tea, and so you might also hear the uh, teacup in there. The audio, of course, is not that great. I don't have a professional studio here, so it's just my phone. So forgive the uh, audio and sometimes the loudness of the cup. She might clang the cup around, and she's eating some cookies that were actually contraband these cookies were uh taken and when they weren't supposed to have been taken by her but in either case so she's munching on some cookies and i'll even ask her about that later but i I start by just asking her how she slept and how she's doing how she's feeling and then i ask her a question just being silly you know what do you want to be when you grow up and it's just so interesting her response and how this moment feels like a moment of clarity. It feels like she's getting the sarcasm. She's getting the joke. And I really believe she is in that moment. I really believe she does get it. And then, you know, of course, goes off and trails off into something else. But just um, interesting to, to, to be, of course, in the midst of it. And now you are going to join me in the midst of it as you hear a conversation between me and my mom. And you felt good though. You didn't feel sore or achy. Mm-mm. Oh, okay. I'm feeling like I'm cold now. Yeah. Once mm-hmm. that heat comes on, yeah, it'll start to warm up. That's right. So, what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, she's Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> And so the conversation just goes on and she'll often do that, kind of just share a story that is, 
you know, seemingly very real and very interesting to her. But of course, it's something that is usually made up and sometimes just made up from surrounding things, which is why it is very important, I would say, to make sure that the things that you're exposing your loved one to are things that are not violent or not um, uh, images that might be perceived by the person with dementia as negative, even when, you know, on the surface, it might be something that looks normal and okay. For example, there's a picture of me. I'm holding my daughter when she was a baby, you know, I'm lifting her up, you know, as if I'm going to like maybe throw her in the air and catch her, that type of thing. But the picture is, of course, just a still shot of me holding her by the arms. And of course, to anyone else, that's what it looks like. A father proudly holding his child up, you know, maybe think Simba and the Lion King, you know, and all of that. But for her, she saw it and saw that because it looked like my fingers were digging into the flesh of my daughter, you know, she looks at that picture and says, why is he and not even, you know, putting it that it's me and, you know, her grandchild. It's this stranger digging into this baby's arms because, you know, it also you could see it that way as well, that somebody is pressing the flesh of this child versus a loving you know, exchange with a father and daughter. So I noticed that sometimes the fanciful stories that she tells are, you know, violence of her, you know, punching somebody in the throat or calling the chief of police and all of this. And of course, back in the day, she used to watch NCIS on a regular basis. And I think those stories, because they, of course, are trying to make things as real as possible and they don't mind showing a little bit of gore, a little bit of, you know, bodies covered in a bloody sheet or what have you. But for a person with a dementia, that's all real. That stuff is not, you know, acting and make believe. And then you go back to your life. And really, for many of us, we probably shouldn't watch so much negativity either, because it's just as you are what you eat. You are what you take in through your eyes and through your ears. So for us, it's probably not that great. But for a person with dementia, it really can be confusing. So what I've been doing now is playing things like The Cosby Show, uh, YouTube videos of fathers playing with their children. LaGuardia Cross is one that I've come across just a Wonderful YouTube dad has two daughters, hint, hint, just like me. And he's just going through, you know, various different situations with him and his daughters. And she really likes that. And of course, there's no blood. There's no cursing. There's nothing negative about it. And it's, you know, if the stories that she tells are sometimes reminiscent of things like that, well, then that's okay. That is not a bad thing at all. And so just caution you on that, that anytime, uh, you know, the news is on or loud music, whatever, anything that's, you know, can have a negative impact or that can even be misinterpreted as negative. You have to be mindful about that because that 
is being absorbed quite differently for your loved one. So going on into uh, this next part of the dialogue, the conversation, you know, again, she's eating these cookies and these cookies, I had them hidden under a blanket, you know, on the side of the sofa where I was sitting. And then I went downstairs or something and came back and she had gotten into the cookies. And so I am going to ask her about these cookies and you will have an opportunity to hear what her response is. Where'd you get those cookies? Hmm. Where'd you get those cookies? Uh, I put over to that store over there. I think that's where I was. Because hmm. I was getting some groceries out of there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I said, wow, oh, this is the first time I've seen having this much meat in here. And everything, so that's why I picked up a, I got a two, two uh, question colors of a, on the meat, on the meat part, and they, whatever, meat was good. The meat was really good. And then I got some on the next one. And then as I was coming out with the third one, I messed up with this man coming in. I said, oh, who is it? Which one of us can't see you or me? And he fell out laughing. Mm. He got it. And so you see the answer. So it's almost as if me asking a question kind of brings her back into this realm of reality momentarily. And she answers the question, which is a completely made up answer. But uh, like she got them from the store. Of course, she hasn't been to a store uh, certainly by herself in probably a couple of years, but um, and then that goes on to some other fanciful tale of meeting somebody in a store. It sounds like they bumped into her. Now that sounds like it could have been one of the scenes from the Cosby show, you know, it kind of sounds slapstick ish or, you know, humorous. But again, these stories, you know, just a few weeks ago would have been, he bumped into me and I punched him in the face, you know, that type of thing, because they were just from whatever negative, not negative, but, you know, just whatever is violence on television and everywhere. It's just everywhere. And so uh, having to have this kind of change has caused these stories that, again, might not mean much. Uh, at least they're changing and updating Let's plug back in to the conversation. I guess you must have ran into some of the other folks that didn't make it around here, did Yeah, must have. Well, that's all right. As long as one of the of the trouble is going to be over here, that's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, it's not best to be ready for school. What time is this school going to be? It's like 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock? Mm-hmm. You want me to walk up from 10 o'clock to school? 
And so here, this conversation about school, again, you'll notice she asked a very specific question, what time is school? And I just said 10 o'clock, just I think it was nine something. So I was you know, trying to stay in the moment, look at the clock up, you know, just got to start getting ready for school at 10 o'clock. And then I'm realizing that she is thinking about herself as a child going to school. She talks about walking to school, which, of course, is something that she did as a child. And again, for these conversations, they don't have to make a whole lot of sense. And you can just agree and move on, answer and move on. Now, sometimes I'll, you know, not be completely dialed in to what she's asking. And I might just say mm-hmm, and agree to something she said. But then it's something crazy, outlandish. She'll follow up with like, what they did? Like, oh, no, 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 they did. <laughs> they did. No, no, I say yes. I said, no, no, no. They so, of course, it helps to pay attention. And if, you know, you're here and this is kind of every day, it's difficult to do. But, you know, just again, with the improv, if you see that things are getting off the rails, getting off track a little bit, yes, you might have to adjust to get things back on track. But again, in terms of the conversations around the people who are past, more than once she referenced her brother, my uncle, Nathan, in this conversation. And each of the times I just go along with it. So here is one of the references she makes to my uncle coming up here. Nathan, you said Nathan was downstairs sleeping. All right, so there is going to be another kind of divergent conversation into this situation with a neighbor. And again, as you heard there, she directly asked me, what was the neighbor's name? And I know she's referring to some story way back in the day. So I don't know many old timey names. So I just threw out Annie Mae. And if you saw her face, it didn't work really because that wasn't 
who she was thinking about. She, I think she really did have a thought of a name of a neighbor that she grew up with as a child. But of course, I don't know anything about that. So, but just trying to do the improv and trying to stay in the moment and, you know, have the conversation, even though, again, it definitely gets off the rail from time to time and, you know, just kind of let that go. And so now in this part of the conversation, the teacup that she's drinking out of is from Menards, a local hardware store, Menards. And so she reads that name on the cup and it just so happens that she was married to a man named Lenard. And so then I try to have a little bit of fun with her and engage in the conversation around just kind of that play on the name when she recognizes the name on the cup and you know, just interesting how she, you know, again, don't know if she's really remembering, if she's really catching on and picking up what I'm putting down. But sometimes it really does feel like she is plugged in and getting it. So this is how that conversation goes. Menard. Menard, yeah. And, then, and this is where he owned this place now? Mm-mm. No, that's just the store. Oh, but you were married to somebody named Lenard, weren't you? That's what you called him, Lenard. <laughs> no, that's what you were, you were married to him. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that's what his name is, Leonard. Yeah. His name is Lenore, and so he thought he didn't like the way they called his name, so he didn't want nobody to call him Lenore. This man said Len. That's all I've been calling him, Lenore, for years now. What do you need to change it for? I said, because it says ain't right. We picked it off for your name, didn't he? And he said, no, his mama did that, and she won't let him take it off. All right, now the story again trails off a little bit. I did want to comment here that I noticed she asked if he had passed away. And I said, yeah, just real quick. And then she moved on. And so in that case, because earlier I talked about not, you know, going on and talking about people who have passed, if she isn't talking about that. So in this case, she asked directly if he had passed and he did. And they didn't have a great relationship. Of course, by the time he had passed, they had been estranged or not married for many years. So I knew that that year would not be anything that would cause any additional angst or pain for her. Whereas the fact that her sister, Aunt Geraldine, passed this last year 
Um, and she hasn't even, does it happen, of course, in the throes of the dementia, she hasn't begun to wrap her mind around that. Whereas that, uh, 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 the death of Leonard was you know, many, many years ago and really, you know, I don't want to say insignificant, but not as significant to her as her sister, of course. And so just wanted to you know, make a comment about that since earlier I said we don't want to have the person re-grieve over and over again. But in this case, I kind of know when to, you know, when it's okay, depending on if she's bringing it up first versus um, her asking about somebody who's downstairs and then me saying, no, that person did. Right. You know, there's a there's a big difference there and there's a nuance. And so as you are communicating with your loved one, you'll know which landmines to avoid in conversation and which things are kind of immaterial and just, you know, points that will not necessarily take the conversation off track, which is very important, but also that would not cause any pain or angst. You're always thinking about your loved one. And the key is to not have any additional unnecessary pain happen for the person. So of course we had that little conversation about her past relationship. And then she gets into my personal business here. So this is something that you just have to watch out for. Person with dementia will bring up stuff. So you want to be careful. So, who were you dining with today? You got yourself a new girlfriend? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, what's her name? Melinda. Melinda? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who was that just talking about that? Melinda. And was that James that was telling you about Melinda? Mm-hmm. She was working at a place downtown. Yeah. He worked down there, too. Mm-hmm. And he told you about that, and before that, he told you about another one that you were, you know, that was better and better than the one. Now, like, mad, mad people, they might have been like, oh, might have been the next one, they did. So there she's asking about Matthew. So she's asking about me and I'm there in the conversation with her. And so that too happens from time to time. And just going back to the questions and things that a person might say, do recognize that could be Thanksgiving dinner, could be in the back of church, could be any place, an individual with dementia, depending on, again, what stage they're in, may lose context clues and subtleties and nuance and all of that. So what might be an inappropriate comment to make or an inappropriate question to ask in an inappropriate setting is something that might very well be extremely commonplace uh, with someone with dementia. I've read or saw some of the research I've done, people will print out business cards and it'll just have a, 
you know, a statement on there. If you're traveling on a plane, for example, and you're worried about your loved one, maybe making an inappropriate comment about someone, you know, who smells bad, who's sitting in the row with you. Uh, these cards just say, you know, my loved one has dementia and may at times make inappropriate comments and just kind of incognito pass the card to the person who might get offended by that. And for you yourself, of course, make sure you have on a full armor of protection so that things that you think might, you know, sting or burn or affect you understand that that is not the individual talking, that that is really the disease talking. So just wanted to share that with you. This is probably the most personal I'll ever get on the podcast. We'll get back to talking about things in general, but I wanted to provide that example for people who might be very well new to some of this and not know how to handle some of these conversations that happen. And they do happen on a regular basis and repeatedly again could be the same day. So that's it, folks, for this week's episode of Dementia in Black and White. Matthew Johnson, your host. Thank you for tuning in this week. And hopefully you'll come back next week as we just take one more step on this journey of caring for a loved one with dementia. Matthew Johnson is my name. The podcast is Dementia in Black and White. We will see you next time. But until then, of course, take care of your loved one. That's important. But also take care of yourself, mental and physical so that you'll be around to take care of that loved one. Until next week, I'm out. Yeah.